0: Hello and welcome into the First in Football show. I am your host, Tobias Brown, and I hope you're all having a better weekend than the Jacksonville Jaguars had. Um, That's right, folks, we're here this week to uh, analyze some of those games that we saw this past Sunday and even look a little bit at that Monday night game with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cleveland Browns. But let's start with that Patriots-Jaguars game. Uh, It'll probably be the easiest analysis of the weekend um, because it was quite simple. The Jaguars wouldn't cut it in the SEC right now. Um, I don't mean that to be, you know, over the top or crazy or anything, but if you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm not joking. Trevor Lawrence, that was his first passing touchdown in four games of football. Trevor Lawrence is too good of a quarterback to not get a passing touchdown for four games. And you can say, well, he's in Jacksonville, the talent there is not as good... You're telling me Marvin Jones is not as good of a wide receiver as Cornell Powell? Stop, stop. I, I there is bigger issues in Jacksonville than just, you know, talent, Trevor Lawrence. It's it's a top to bottom thing. But looking specifically at Sunday's game I think we saw a New England Patriots team that heard a lot about how, well, they're overrated, they're overhyped, you know, they're coming back down to earth. Mac Jones, it's, you know, finally happening. He's finally struggling. And,. They really wanted to go out, and I think show some people that they meant business. And you saw it; it was an all-around effort. Well, whether it was the practice squad wide receiver Wilkinson, you know, getting a couple touchdown grabs, or you know, Ramondre Stevenson hitting the end zone, Damian Harris hitting the end zone. I mean, that was a well-rounded football game by the Patriots. And I, I do think that this Patriots team has a chance to play spoiler in the playoffs. I don't think they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders. I don't think that the quarterback play is consistent enough for them to be Super Bowl contenders. I also don't think they have enough playmakers on the offensive side of the ball to compete with an offense like Kansas City's or really even compete with a you know vaunted defense, you know. So I would say though that the Patriots great win for Jacksonville. It's just more of the same. Um I think at this point, they need to focus on that head coach search because, you know, the bottom line is nothing's going to change until Khan allows the right person to come in and actually build a culture. He can't bail on a coach in two years anymore. He has got to let a culture build up. Um, You know, moving on, looking at some of these other games, you know, I think, Probably the next game that jumps to me the most would be that Cleveland Browns-Pittsburgh Steelers game we saw on Monday night. If for nothing else, I think we've got to stop hounding Baker Mayfield nearly as hard as we've hounded him. And I'm not saying Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback. I think that he's got a lot of flaws, and I think that Baker has you know, an uphill climb to prove that he's going to be a serviceable starting quarterback in this league. But the bottom line is, if you blame the issues the Cleveland Browns had this year on Baker Mayfield, you didn't watch him play. Baker Mayfield was a problem, yes, but Baker Mayfield also has a torn labrum. Baker Mayfield should not have been playing football. The bottom line is, why do you pay Case Keenum the money you're paying him? If you're not going to let him play, Case Keenum has started games in the National Football League. I'm not going to talk about his starting, you know, tenure in this with the Rams. We know that wasn't very impressive. But if you look at what Case Keenum did with the Minnesota Vikings, winning a playoff game with Minnesota, I mean, why can't he start? Why are you paying him? He's not Drew Stanton. This is not the Cleveland Browns when Drew Stanton was the backup. We're having to worry about running out Thaddeus Lewis or, you know, what what happens if Derek Anderson gets hurt? Is Charlie Fry having to play again? No, this is a Cleveland Browns team that had a capable backup in Case Keenum and chose to run out a Baker Mayfield that looked like his arm could not make the, you know, five-yard out route completion. You know, and then we can talk about Kevin Stefanski as well. Kevin Stefanski's play calling has been atrocious this year. You know, the one thing that made the Browns so difficult last year was Kevin Stefanski really rolled the dice. He was aggressive in his play calling. He was dynamic in his play calling. This year, Kevin Stefanski, when his team needed to be aggressive, they needed to be dynamic. He he really became, he kind of, you know, almost went like a turtle into the turtle shell and just, you know, got real conservative with the play calling. We saw it week one in Kansas City. And we saw it again, you know, last night. That offense just could not get get going you know And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, do you think a healthy baker makes a difference next year? I'm not sure a healthy baker makes the difference next year, because guess what? There are other issues that that Browns team is going to have to address in order to even be remotely successful, in my opinion. Yeah, you can say they've got talent on the defensive side of the football, but I still think there are some glaring holes there, and it starts with the middle of the defensive line. You know, I think Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney are a nice edge rush tandem, but what do you have in the center of that D line that's going to invoke fear I know they drafted Tommy Togiai you know in the middle rounds this past year and I you know thought Tommy was a fine player as a Buckeye fan myself I obviously root for Togiai to be successful in the NFL but if you think Tommy Togiai is going to set the tone in the middle of your defense I mean I hate to tell you you're going to be you know sadly mistaken And the bottom line is Malik Jackson he's not the same D tackle he was in Jacksonville he's not even close um, he's on the downward end of his career I I really think the Browns need to find a run-stopping defensive tackle because Najee Harris went for 180 yards on your defense. And Najee Harris went for 180 yards on your defense with an offensive line that if three of those five starters are starting for Pittsburgh next year, we've got problems. The other thing that I think Cleveland needs to worry about is, you know, what are are we doing? What is the identity of that defense? That defense has a lot of high-round picks in that secondary, whether it's Denzel Ward, Grant Delpit, um, obviously Greg Newsom was their first-round pick this past year. They spent big money to go get John Johnson and Troy Hill. But it didn't really come together this year. And I guess where... I worry about the Cleveland Browns is, is did they bring in a lot of names and it's not and You know, if you look at where the Browns spent money and it's paid off, it's that offensive line. That is the one unit that I think the Cleveland Browns have to feel confident in. You know, Jedrick Wills, he's not the best tackle that came out of that class. Obviously, Tristan Wirfs has been head and shoulders above Jedrick Wills, but Jedrick Wills has fit in nicely. Um, anybody who doesn't like Joel Petonio, J.C. Treader and Wyatt Teller as your guard center guard combo is just not watching football that's one of the best guard center guard tandems in football Um, and Jack Conklin went healthy still one of the best right tackles in football it's just Jack Conklin hasn't been healthy however the Cleveland Browns do have James Hudson you know rookie tackle out of the University of Cincinnati who definitely struggled this year and you could say you know turn on the film from this Monday night game against Pittsburgh and he got absolutely eaten alive by T.J. Watt But the bottom line is he's a rookie going against T.J. Watt. I've watched season veterans get absolutely walloped by T.J. Watt this year. So I'm not going to hold that against James Hudson. But the offensive line is really the only place I think I feel confident in if I'm the Cleveland Browns. Um, I think Jarvis, still Jarvis, still a great receiver. But what's after Jarvis? Anthony Schwartz, you thought he was going to be the track star speed threat on offense. He's not really you know, shown me enough to make me feel like his spot is, you know, a dynamic weapon in this offense. Obviously, I love Rashad Higgins. I think Rashard Higgins could be a talented wide receiver. I just don't think that Cleveland knows what to do with them, you know, at least not smart. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, to me, was already what Anthony Schwartz was supposed to be. That's why I questioned the Schwartz pick exponentially when they drafted him. I I mean, it made no sense to me at the time. Watching it play out, it still makes very little sense to me. And I think the other thing that Cleveland fans are going to have to talk about is that tight end position. You know, you've got a tight end room that really, their three tight ends, if you stack them up against the other three tight end rooms, you know, I mean you look at Austin Hooper, David Njoku, and Harrison and Bryant, that's a great tight end room. But the bottom line is I truly believe Austin Hooper's overpaid. And I truly believe that the Cleveland Browns are going to have to make have to make a decision on if he's earning that contract. The other issue I have is I just I really don't know what the Browns do do as far as depth I thought they had more depth on their roster than they apparently have um and it was apparent last night but you know not to take anything away from the Pittsburgh Steelers the bottom line is the Pittsburgh Steelers are going into week 18 with a shot to make the playoffs and if you would have told me that at the beginning of the year I know they beat Buffalo beat week one but if you watched them play that Buffalo Bills team week one and you would have told me that the Pittsburgh Steelers would be in week 18 Needing a little bit of help, but with a you know, shot to make the playoffs, obviously Jacksonville's got to be indie for that shot to become reality. But I would have doubted you. I mean, there's no way. I mean, Big Ben all year has looked like a shell of himself. Big Ben's not looked athletic, he's not looked mobile, he's not been able to escape a pocket. And the bottom line is, he's not even had a pocket to throw in because his offensive line play has been terrible all year obviously they were hoping zach banner would be healthy and they could finally see what zach banner would look like i think it's safe to say zach banner is not a future tackle in the nfl at least not a starting one um you know they had the rookie kendrick green the center out of illinois he's a physical guy he's a physical guy when he's coming out of the draft i was like oh my gosh that man is an athletic specimen well, physicality, he's got a lot to learn, though. I mean, he's no Marquise Pouncy, but that, those were big shoes to fill. I think where I was more upset was the guard play. I was expecting more out of Trey Turner and uh, Kevin Dotson. I, I mean, obviously, you lose David DeCastro, and that's going to hurt your guards, but I really expected Kevin Dotson and Trey Turner to just play better football this year, and they really did not impress me at all. Um, I think Pittsburgh's got a lot of, you know, Najee Harris, obviously 180 yards. I mean, what's there not to like about what Najee Harris is doing? Um, I think the future is bright for Najee. And the bottom line is if Pittsburgh gets a competent O-line and a decent quarterback with those receivers, I mean, that offense is going to be vaunted for a while. It'll be interesting to see what Juju does this offseason, obviously only on a one-year deal and being out for the year with the injury. Um, I could see his market definitely shrinking because of that injury. Be interesting to see if Juju took another one-year prove-it deal with Pittsburgh again. And if so, who would be the quarterback throwing him the ball? I think that's a great, you know... I know, what do you guys think about the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback position? In my personal opinion, I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers need to look at a quarterback in the first round. My my preference, if I'm a Steelers fan, I would want Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett would be the best quarterback out of this bunch. you could have maybe talked me into Matt Corral, obviously before the injury. Um, now, initial reports sound like Corral is going to be able to heal up, though, and you know make a fine recovery. But still, due to the injury, wouldn't take him in the first round. Now, obviously, Sam Howell, I would not touch in the first round at all. Could not, could not convince me to touch him in the first round. Now, uh, Malik Willis, beautiful arm. He's got a cannon for an arm. But, again, I don't want him in the first round, especially if I'm Pittsburgh. Um, I I don't think that Pittsburgh's in a position to take a Malik Willis. I think they need a sure bet if they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. I, I just, that's my, I because if you're not going to take the sure bet, in the first round and Kenny Pickett to me is the surest bet out of all these first round potential quarterbacks. If you're not going to take the surest bet in Kenny Pickett, don't draft a quarterback. Go make a play for an Aaron Rodgers. If you're not going to make a play for an Aaron Rodgers, pick up the phone and get a hold of the Las Vegas Raiders and see if Derek Carr's available. I wouldn't say go for a Mariota unless you are deciding that you're going to wait until next year's draft class. Which if you're going to do that, if I'm Pittsburgh, that could be another option. Do we use a placeholder? Do we, you know, maybe give Dwayne Haskins, you know, Dwayne Haskins is a former first round pick sitting on your roster, just kind of, you know, sitting quietly. Do you give him a year to see if there's anything there? And then if he's atrocious, you're going to have a high first round pick. And guess what? We'll go use it to either get a Bryce Young, a CJ Stroud, or one of these other guys who really look like, I mean, that quarterback class next year is going to be a special class. So I, I think Pittsburgh's sitting pretty in that regard, definitely some options, but, I will tell you, if I'm a Steelers fan, I would kind of hope that our season ends next week because it would be some abysmal playoff football. I mean, I know everybody wants to make the playoffs, and I know what would be better than getting Ben into the playoffs in his last year. But dude, I mean, they cannot play playoff football with that offense. That offense is not playoff football caliber. Um, it would just, it would, it would be a tough watch, I think. Um, but looking at some of these other games, you know, obviously. We can talk about the college bowl games as well. Um, Michigan, forgetting to get off the bus to play Georgia. Um, You know, I've heard all the jokes about, well, you know, hey, at least Ohio State beat Utah. And, you know, our offense showed up. And I just want to tell Ohio State fans, you cannot brag. You, You cannot brag and make fun of Michigan fans until November of next year. When you lose the game in the fashion that Ohio State lost the game, I don't want to hear you talk about Michigan football until you beat them next year. And then this is coming from an Ohio State fan. I absolutely love the fact that Ohio State was able to pull out the Rose Bowl. Um I will be the first to tell you that during that game, there were many of times that I sent multiple text messages in regards to how soft our defense looked. Um, And yes, I understand that we did have multiple players on the defense sitting out, but the bottom line is you come to the Ohio State University, I at least expect you to play tough. And there were many times where I didn't feel like they played with the toughness that I was expecting them to come out with. Um, Utah pretty much could hit a big play whenever they wanted to in the first half. Um, Obviously, C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, that was NCAA 14 freshman mode. I mean, that was—I can't even do that on Madden, you know, just rookie mode. So hats off to both of them. I can't wait to see what they do next year. But the bottom line is you're playing in the Rose Bowl because you couldn't even go play for the Big Ten championship because Michigan came out and absolutely outclashed you on the football field. And I know the score... Wasn't a massive blowout when Ohio State and Michigan played. But the bottom line is there was at no point in that game where I felt like Ohio State was on the same physicality level as Michigan. So, therefore, I'm not going to allow Ohio State fans to sit here and pretend like, you know, what we would have done better against Georgia. Because the bottom line is we've already shown we don't have the ability to step up to the plate on defense in physical, physical situations. And Michigan was out. Out I mean, the bottom line is Georgia was more physical at the point of attack at the line of scrimmage than Michigan. The entire game was predicated on the fact that at the line of scrimmage and in the trenches, Georgia could do whatever they wanted. And if we think as Ohio State fans that we would have fared better, I don't know what games we were watching this year. So obviously, you know, Georgia, Alabama, that's going to be your national championship. And I've also heard a lot of people complaining about, what's an All-SEC national championship. This is what the committee wanted. They wanted the All-SEC. They set it up this way. No, the committee gave you what everybody wanted. Everybody wanted Cincinnati in the college football playoff. Everybody said it's a crime. It would be atrocious if Cincinnati didn't make the college football playoff. So what the committee gave you, they gave you Cincinnati in the college football playoff. And you know what to Cincinnati's credit? They played tough. I mean, it was the third quarter, only down 10 against Alabama. The issue was Cincinnati could not score. Cincinnati could not score. Alabama's defense might have been a little bit. You might have been able to move a little bit. I was expecting Desmond Ritter to be able to do a little more. Again, this is why I say, is Desmond Ritter really a first-round pick? Alabama's got a lot of first-round picks on their defense, and Desmond Ritter really could not do a whole lot. But... What I will say is if anybody on that Cincinnati team punched their ticket as first round pick, give me a mod Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner is a first round corner all day, every day. Any team who needs a corner, please look at Sauce Gardner. He is definitely one of the top corners. Obviously, Kyle Hamilton's the best DB in the draft, um, but Sauce Gardner definitely earned it. And as far as predictions for the national championship game, um, If you remember several years ago, Alabama-LSU, LSU was undefeated in the regular season. They beat Alabama, fast forward to the national championship game, and Alabama got the better of LSU that go-round, so um, I'm predicting something pretty similar. It's really hard to play a great team and beat them twice in one year, especially so close together. I, I'm expecting Georgia to pull that one out. Um, Looking at... You know, some of the other games that we saw this, you know, past Sunday with the NFL, um, I think it's safe to say Matthew Stafford is showing us why the Detroit Lions didn't succeed with Matthew Stafford. It's not just that the Detroit Lions are an abysmal franchise, and yes, I will grant you the Detroit Lions are an abysmal franchise, but Matthew Stafford makes some atrocious choices with the football, and he is in a streak right now of play. That I hope he gets it out of his system before the playoffs because anything short of a Super Bowl for that Rams team is going to be a disappointment with as much draft capital as they traded away to get the likes of Matthew Stafford and Von Miller and, you know, even... you know, bringing in OBJ after his release from the Browns, it's Super Bowl or bust for the Rams this year because you don't have a first round pick, I believe, until probably 2050 at this point, with as much as less need just gives them out like it's Halloween candy. So I, I, I think the Rams have to cash in this year. It's, it was good to see them be able to pull out the win. Um, you know, a win's a win in the NFL. And so you can say, well, they barely beat the Ravens with Tyler Huntley. And here's what I will say. I think Tyler Huntley has proven that he's not just your average backup in the NFL. The one thing Tyler Huntley brings that I think if you ask a lot of defensive coaches, they'll tell you is Tyler Huntley's speed is just out of this world. Tyler Huntley's ability to run with the football. I've listened to numerous players say uh, when the Ravens and the Browns matched up and Tyler Huntley had to play. The numerous Browns defenders said he may be faster than eight. He may be faster than Lamar Jackson. And if that's the case, I mean, my word, that that's almost impossible to game plan for. So Tyler Huntley, it's not as if the Ravens were rolling out Trace McSorley. So, you know, let's just you know, let's stop those comments right there. And the other thing is, is that Ravens team was playing for a lot. So if you don't think those guys were playing up, I mean a lot of those guys like Jimmy Smith you know, Jimmy Smith, Brandon Williams, that's probably their last time in Baltimore. If you think Jimmy Smith is getting another contract in Baltimore, I would be pretty surprised. Jimmy Smith's been around forever with them. They've got a lot of corners. They've got a lot of young guys. They need to, you know, try and work into that system. I look for Jimmy Smith to be gone. So, you know, a win's a win for the Saint, For the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Um, I I would probably say the, ga- the, the game of the weekend— was that Bengals Chiefs game. If you watch the Bengals Chiefs game, that you know, the Chiefs came out, early lead, looked like the Bengals defense was not going to be able to stop the Chiefs Chiefs offense. It looked like Patrick Mahomes was going to pretty much get everything he wanted in the passing game in the early going and that this was going to be a route. Um, obviously Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I mean that's that's just a that's an unfair combination and they've definitely shown that what they did in college at LSU just translates into the NFL it's beautiful to watch but I think that Bengals defense deserves a lot of credit in the second half you know you got to remember the Chiefs had I believe it was 28 first half points and in the second half the Bengals hold them To less than two touchdowns. I mean, the Bengals' defense in the second half really bowed up, really came to play. And it's a credit. The Bengals finally, this offseason, spent some money and brought real football players in. They brought in Mike Hilton. They brought in Trey Hendrickson. They brought in Larry Ogunjobi. They already had Jesse Bates there. They go and get an Eli Apple. They made that defense competitive it's not a joke anymore that defense is not the worst defense in football anymore there's legitimate guys the one area that I think the Bengals you know and everybody's saying well anybody who said the Bengals should have taken you know Penny Sewell over Jamar Chase what a what a goober you were well guess what Jamar Jamar Chase is amazing I would have taken Jamar Chase over Penny Soul. I think the Bengals made the right draft choice and it's paid off It has more than definitely paid off. But the reason fans were clamoring for Panay Sewell and for a left tackle in general is because Joe Burrow is still the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. He has still been sacked over 45 times this year. And that O-line is atrocious. You know, I think it would be okay if you know they they did they came back in the second round and they drafted a lineman but they drafted Jackson Carmen. Jackson Carmen was not moving the needle and anybody who had watched Jackson Carmen play knew that he was not going to move the needle day one. He may get there at some point. Obviously, it's too early to tell. Usually, linemen don't hit the ground running in the NFL, so he's got time to develop, you know. But. Jackson Carmen was not moving the needle day one. Riley you who they signed on the offseason to come play right tackle, he creeped you back towards average, but he didn't, he didn't move the needle exponentially. And Jonah Williams, it's safe to say, Jonah Williams has been a letdown in the NFL. And, you know, the center position has been abysmal this year. Trey Hopkins has been abysmal. So that's something that the Bengals need to look at this offseason. But can we give some credit? to Zach Taylor I know everybody wanted Zach Taylor fired I've I've heard from numerous Bengals fans and you know listening to other talk shows about how Bengals fans should be upset because if they would have just lost Zach Taylor could be fired and you could get rid of Zach Taylor and get a real coach in and I I don't I mean I'm gonna question some of his decision making there at the end of the game um definitely got bailed out some with by some penalties by that chief secondary um the Chiefs definitely helped the Bengals win that game, but the bottom line is Zach Taylor, he's done it. He did what needed to be done, and that was he took a team that was projected to win roughly five games at the beginning of the season and made them AFC North champions. And you can say that this AFC North was the most, you know, un- indecisive AFC North division in a long time. You know, the Browns couldn't get their act together, the Ravens were without Lamar Jackson for numerous games, Pittsburgh Steelers were running out you know, a senior citizen version of Ben Roethlisberger but the bottom line is the Bengals got it done, hats off to Zach Taylor and those guys Um, I truly believe the Bengals have a chance to go win a couple playoff games depending on how week 18 goes and what those seedings end up looking like hey, the Bengals have made a believer out of me, I'm not saying they're Super Bowl contenders, but I'm not saying really anybody in that AFC is a true Super Bowl contender aside from Kansas City when they want to be. So hats off to the Bengals. And, you know, let's talk about that Jets and Buccaneers game. Um, Obviously, the uh, main focus was Antonio Brown's debacle on the sideline. And um, I don't know if he was doing his best Magic Mike impersonation or if he truly was too injured to go back into the game. But, you know whatever it is, I, I hope Antonio Brown gets the help he needs. Um, clearly there is something going on that's deeper than football. Um, I'm not going to speculate on it. I'm not going to, you know, pontificate on what it could be. All I'm going to say is I hope Antonio Brown gets the help he needs. And, you know, it, it, some things are bigger than football. Um, so I hope he gets the help he needs. But talking about the football game, are the Jets going to jet? Is that the, the, you know, for years living in Northeast Ohio, I always heard the Browns will be the Browns, but wow, how do you feel if you're a Jets fan? How do you feel? I mean, you weren't expected to be in the game. So you probably went into the game expecting it to look something like that New England Jacksonville game. But then when it didn't, and then when you could feel and you could taste the victory, and you went, oh my word, if our rookie quarterback could beat the GOAT, what would this do for this fan base? Would this be the defining moment of the Robert Sala era where people said, Robert Sala has built, this is where that foundation started. And then the Jets defense did what the Jets defense does best, and Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does best. Um, Tom Brady, greatest quarterback to ever play the game, absolutely dissected an abysmal defense, and if... If the Jets franchise can be summed up in one clip, I watched a clip after the game and everyone talked about what a consummate pro Tom Brady is for doing this. I laughed. Uh, Jets rookie DB Echols, his first name is escaping me, but he was able to intercept Tom Brady in that game. And he was so elated to get that interception, which he should be, because guess what? If I tried to intercept Tom Brady, I'd tear all two of my ACLs and maybe even a third one and I don't even have three ACLs. But... Eccles gets the pick on Brady. After the game, Eccles takes that ball out to midfield to greet Brady and asks Brady to sign it, and Brady signs it for him. Now, I guess me as a competitor, if I was on the defense that just blew the lead and coughed up what would have been a great victory for us, I probably am not thinking about getting Tom Brady to sign my football in the moment, but hey good for him awesome for brady to be able to be such a you know consummate pro sign that football um i just i found that quite funny um i also find a little funny that you know so many people were so quick to give up on zach wilson people wanted to say zach wilson you know he's not he's not going to make it he doesn't have the talent zach wilson is he's a very polarizing quarterback. Zach Wilson, nobody said Zach Wilson was the most polished quarterback. The reason Zach Wilson went number two was not because he was the most pro-ready quarterback. Nobody coming into that draft said Zach Wilson was the most pro-ready quarterback. The only reason there was debates about do you take Trevor Lawrence one or Zach Wilson one was because the upside with Zach Wilson, the potential Zach Wilson has, is just out of this world high and he's shown it on a few occasions this year some of the runs that Zach Wilson can break off they're special that kid is a special talent he just needs help in and- He's going to get it. You know, the bottom line, Corey Davis hasn't been healthy this year. That was supposed to be their big receiver get, their huge help for the rookie quarterback. He's battled injuries all year. I still think Elijah Moore has, you know, the rookie receiver at Ole Miss. I think he's got a lot of potential, um, but he's a rookie, and, you know, you're expecting growing pains. Denzel Mims obviously has not panned out, um, but I'm not going to—I think we need to, you know, hold hold the phone on the Zach Wilson's a bust talk, you know. I, you know— I would I would look at all of those rookie quarterbacks and I would say if I had to if I had to put all five you know if I had to rank which ones am I most concerned about I would say Mac Jones is the lowest for the simple fact that I think his ceiling is probably the lowest I think Mac Jones's ceiling is probably the lowest I'm not sure Mac Jones is ever going to reach Much greater heights than what we're currently seeing. I think Mac Jones' ceiling is somewhere around a Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, and guess what? With Bill Belichick, that could win football games. That could win a lot of football games, and with a great defense and solid talent around it. Go to a Super Bowl. I mean, look, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. So Mac Jones, I'm probably least worried about Mac Jones. I think the next least worried about that I would be is Trevor Lawrence. I know earlier I talked about Trevor Lawrence didn't throw a touchdown in four straight games and you know how abysmal Jacksonville looks. But still, Trevor Lawrence, there's a reason he went number one overall. The talent's there. Trevor Lawrence, if he can get the help, if Shad Khan and those guys get the right head coach down there that can develop him and mold him into an NFL quarterback, I'm probably second least worried about Trevor Lawrence Um, Third I would say Zach Wilson Um, I would say Zach Wilson And the reason I would say Zach Wilson Is like I said that ability The talent that's there The potential that's there it's so enticing, and you've seen glimpses of it now that he's gotten healthy. And I truly think some of that Mike White mania—seeing Mike White come out and play the way Mike White did and beat the Cincinnati Bengals—and you're hearing, "Well, should they even put Zach Wilson back in? Should they stick with Mike White?" I—that's as a competitor, I think that helped get Zach Wilson going a little bit more. Um, and I'm—I—I I have to imagine having a backup that knows football, has been around the game, has been to a Super Bowl, has won a Super Bowl like Joe Flacco. Um I have I have to imagine Joe Flacco has done more for Zach Wilson's game than having Mike White and Josh Johnson as your backup. You know, so I I Zach Wilson would be next. After that I would I would have to say that I would go with Trey Lance because Trey Lance hasn't sh- Trey Lance hasn't done anything to show me that I need to be worried. I mean, about the only worry I have is what's going on that Jimmy Garoppolo is still starting. I know the 49ers are in position to make the playoffs. Um, but they're going to they're going to squeak into the playoffs. They're not going to make it, you know, beautifully. They they didn't win the division. They weren't even the second best team in their division. They were the third best team in probably the best division in football, I'll give you that. But they were the third best team by a large amount. The Cardinals and Rams were significantly better than the 49ers this year. And the bottom line is Jimmy Garoppolo's looked at times, Jimmy Garoppolo has been pretty tough to watch this year, so I'm I'm a little surprised that Kyle Shanahan didn't want to get his uh, toy out there, get Trey Lance out there, because I think Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance can be pretty special. I think Kyle Shanahan showed you when he had Matt Ryan. Um, That Kyle Shanahan is one of the brightest offensive minds in football, and I think with Trey Lance and with Trey Lance's ability, that offense could be pretty special. I am the most worried about Justin Fields. And that's not to say that I think Justin Fields is going to be bad. That's not to say I think Justin Fields will be a bust. But if there's a quarterback out of those five that's going to be a bust, I would say it would be Justin Fields. And it is because, not because, you know, Matt Nagy and will the Bears fire Matt Nagy. I think Matt Nagy's gone. I think Ryan Pace, for that matter, is probably gone as GM. I'm most worried about the fact that, one, he's going to go through a coaching change in year two, and that can be difficult. I don't like the idea of my rookie quarterback having to go and learn a whole new system in year two now. So I don't like that idea. But also the big knock that I had on Justin Fields coming out of Ohio State is he holds the football too long. He's really slow in his reads. Um, and he, he's back there way too long before he gets rid of the football. And Justin Fields this year, he's held the football for over three seconds, a drop. That is absurd. That is way too long. And we've seen it. We've seen it. He has, he He doesn't have a good offensive line. We all know that. I I said it at the beginning of the year. I'm not sure what the Chicago Bears were thinking when they got rid of both Charles Leno Jr. and Bobby Massey, and then to say, well, we're going to do that, but here's what we'll give you, Justin. We'll give you a Tevin Jenkins, the guy who's got the back of the 50-year-old construction worker. We'll give you him to protect your blind side. Not really sure what the Bears were thinking there, but the bottom line is that's the line you got to work with, Justin, and you got to be able to make the reads quicker than what he's making them. Um, so that's who I would be the most worried with. But, you know, those were the big games that we saw. Um just kind of to give you guys a little insight on what you know the first and football podcast is going to be like mondays we're going to break down what we saw you know mondays and tuesdays depending on how the week looks it'll either be a monday you know reaction or a tuesday reaction pod or we're going to break down what we saw and you know just kind of mash it up talk about what we think um obviously you know my opinions are my opinions they're hundred uh, percent not going to be right, but you know what? That's why we're here for them. And then Wednesday's pod is always going to be kind of a fun little interactory pod where I'm gonna I'm gonna call it the worst hot takes in football. Um, I'm gonna give you some hot takes. And I'm obviously, I'm going to back them up. I'm not just going to be, I'm not going to, I'm not going to skip Bayless it or I'm going to come out and say, Hey, I tell you what hall of fame quarterback, Ryan Leaf should have gone over Peyton Manning. Still, I'm not going to give that bad of a take, but I I am going to give some hot takes and I'm going to back them up and, uh, you'll you guys will have to let me know if, uh, my hot takes are, you know, smoldering out if it's a dying fire or if I may have been on to something here, and then Fridays are gonna be our preview pod. They're gonna we're gonna look ahead to the weekend's games. Um obviously college football is coming to an end, but we'll still look ahead and then I've got some stuff planned through the off season as well for you guys. Obviously some uh, We'll look to the draft and look at all the draft stuff. We'll have to keep our eyes on the transfer portal. I know we didn't really get to touch on the Caleb Williams news. Um, I'm going to hold off touching on that. Um, I I want to wait and see. To, you know, I know he said he's still potentially going to go back to Oklahoma. I don't think there's a chance he goes back to Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel um, flipping from UCLA to Oklahoma. I think that ensures that Caleb Williams will move on. And... Really, you know, I know i've I've heard a lot of people say this is ruining the game of college football, and I'll touch on that a little bit real quick. Here's the thing. Here is the thing. Caleb Williams does not owe the University of Oklahoma four years. He doesn't. Because if Caleb Williams owes the University of Oklahoma four years, then Lincoln-Riley needed to stay for the entire duration of the contract he signed. And the bottom line was Lincoln-Riley was not only able to get out of that contract by having USC, you know, go through his buyout, but he was able to not coach the entire season. He was able to leave before the season was over, take several coaches from that coaching staff before the season was over, and bolt causing Oklahoma to have to bring in an interim coach from the outside. Bob Stoots had to leave the booth to go coach them in the bowl game. So no, Caleb Williams does not owe the University of Oklahoma anything. He does not. This is what we knew was going to happen with the NIL deals. The name, image, and likeness deals had to happen this way because the NCAA was so far the other way where you had guys like Terrell Pryor getting punished for getting a free tattoo for being good at football. So now the NCAA is like, well, now we got to make it right. We got to let these guys get any money they can get. And because of that, you're going to see this pop up more. Now, it's not been confirmed that Caleb Williams is shopping himself for better NIL deals. But if he is, hats off to him. And if he can get a great one, hats off to him. You know what? The bottom line is college football is the only sport where a man, because that's what these that's what these guys are. They are grown men. They are 18 years old. And at 18 years old, you're considered a man by, you know, this country's standards, you know, you're old enough to be charged with a felony, you're old enough to serve in the military. Um then the bottom line is is he is a man. And it, college football is the only sport where we tell men Hey, you know what? You you shouldn't get to profit off your abilities and I'm I'm happy for a guy like Caleb Williams um oh, obviously I'm I'm hoping he stays away from the SEC. I've you know I've heard some speculation about could LSU be on there. I just saw you know UCLA was an option as well. Um, I don't think he'll leave Oklahoma to go to UCLA. I just I wouldn't understand that from a Caleb Williams standpoint. I know Chip Kelly's there, but in my opinion, um, that that would just make no sense to me. If you're leaving Oklahoma, it's to go to a school like an LSU. Um, I think that has to be. Probably LSU. and Obviously, Notre Dame could be an option, but it's got to be one of those bigger schools, um, in my opinion. But that—that's kind of the gist of the pod. Um, I'm gonna wrap it up by saying, guys, I'm really excited to, you know, get into this with you guys, share the thoughts, you know, and just really build a community and talk. Um, look out for the pod; should be released sometime Wednesday. And let me know what you guys think in the reviews. You know, rate and review please give feedback. That's what we're looking for. This pod is supposed to be football content that you guys are going to love and enjoy. So let me know in the reviews what you guys are looking for and can't wait to chop it up with you guys next time. Take care. See ya.